Now is the time to serve the takes. Send out the call and join the fray. Wrongs won't be righted. Never united. Let us serve the takes. Hello and welcome. You're listening to Mouse Madness, a podcast dedicated to bracketing all things Disney. I'm Chris Bowersox. And I'm reluctantly Kyle Skinner of this podcast. And we are your hosts for Mouse Madness. Each episode will focus on a single Disney topic, generate a bracket, and debate our way through the madness to figure out who or what is truly the best. Follow us and play along on Twitter at MouseMadnessPod or send us an email at MouseMadnessPodcast at gmail.com. Kyle, we're back. Episode 38, my jersey number. I'm feeling good about this one. We can tell you're feeling good. Did you just hear that? That was incredible. I, how long did it take you to, to write a new chorus for Seize the Day? That was a solid 25 minutes. What? Seriously? Yeah. I thought it you was gave it up on the spot. Time well spent. Yeah, I was just going to say time well spent. We're back because uh, our last bracket was our most listened to yet. People really enjoy them some uh, Disney parades, and I'm excited for this one. Um, we are out here talking about the best disney broadway song we've already done our best disney song bracket people had some thoughts people had some thoughts on the bracket alone and i'm sure that they're gonna have some as well here so uh chris who who we got out here guest hosting for us well kyle this bracket literally hits close to home for me we're recording from new york we're talking broadway and of course i had to get my beautiful girlfriend julia to help us out today, she put down her equity card and picked up a microphone to join Woo. this episode. Woo. Julia, how's it going? <laughs> hey guys, really happy to be here. So happy to be talking about this stuff in the midst of everything that's going on in the world right now. <laughs> so thank you for having me. <laughs> Super happy for you to be joining us today. Happy to have you bring your musical theater talents and expertise to this episode. So thank you for coming on. It's always nice when uh, we're accompanied by an expert because we are in no way an expert when it comes to this field. So thank you for coming back, Julia. Uh, I, when you when you heard that you we were going to do a Broadway best song, what were your feelings? What was what was your reaction to that? Um, I personally love Disney on Broadway. Um, some of my the second Broadway show I ever saw was Mary Poppins. Mm. And I think personally that like Disney Broadway magic is like, in some ways, you can punch me for saying this better than like the park shows and like the cruise yeah. ship shows. It's like they don't mess around. No. It's, everything is like a spectacle times 10. Right. So really, really excited. Speaking of spectacle, we've got a spoonful of sugar. Kyle, what's in your cup today? So today I went back to the the old bar and uh, I made a little bit of a mixed drink here. Um, It's not anything that's something to write home about because it's literally just what I had sitting in the bar and what was in my fridge. So I am calling it... He lives in juice, and this is <laughs> this is rum. So it's essentially one part rum and then three parts orange, mango, 
strawberry juice that you can find at Trader Joe's. I just mix I just mix those boys together and Sounds I Sounds amazing. Uh, it is amazing. I put it back into I'm back Chris. I'm back with the spoonful of sugar mug. I put yes. it in there. Uh we're we're done with the parades in the in my electrical cube and uh it's it's pretty it doesn't smell great. It smells like nah. Mm, let me here first sip right here. It's not bad. There's a lot of juices in here, so it, it makes it pretty he good. He lives in juice. He, he lives in. Love it. Chris, what are you drinking? Kyle, I got an imported beer Ooh. from one of your favorite countries. Oh. This is an Icelandic white ale. Okay. Okay. It's brewed with coriander and orange peel. Okay. Drinking it out of my frozen Broadway musical mug. Oh, R.A.P. Great memories. Pouring it up right now. Let's go That's the one with the little uh, little Viking on it, right? Yeah. Yeah. Real tasty. Ooh. <laughs> Tastes like the North Sea. The North Sea. <laughs> Julia, what's in your cup today? Well... This is a Mary Poppins mug. You guys are going to be yes. like, oh my god, she's a Mary Poppins fanatic. But this is actually Chris's mug. Um, uh-huh. It's so good. It doesn't taste like any alcohol. And we've decided to call it a Jolly Holiday. What's in the Jolly Holiday? <laughs> Malibu. <laughs> and <laughs> um, like fruit punch. That's, that does sound like a Jolly Holiday to me, so to good. be honest. It tastes like a Jolly Rancher. <laughs> it's, it's, yours is the uh, coconut rum version of what I have. <laughs> All right, Chris, we need to hop into the demographic. These are the people who we sent the interns to go interview and, and survey to find out who our field of 16 of the best Broadway Disney song would be. And if you are uh, listening in real time, you know that Disney Springs opened last week and Disney World, uh, I believe just the Magic Kingdom and Animal Kingdom are opening up in a couple of weeks. So uh, we sent our interns with masks and hand sanitizers down to Florida to Disney Springs and we had them ask people who were standing in the three hour line outside of the world of Disney what their favorite Broadway Disney songs were. So our demographic of these people standing in <laughs> in line outside of a Disney store that sells things that you can buy online, but Disney Springs open and they can have human contact again. We asked those people, uh, what's the longest you've ever stayed in a retail line? Chris, you can go first. Well, let's see. Um, like to actually buy something? Yeah. You, I yeah. waited probably four hours for an apple watch apple watch series two i was living in kansas city there's literally nothing to do sure so yeah that was, was the like, entertainment might as well go for it uh one time me and julia waited six hours to see one of our favorite youtubers like a meet and greet in a pop-up shop that huh. was questionable whether or not it was worth it would not do again but we got some good pictures okay okay Julia, was that the longest you've ever stood in line for something that was yeah. a ride? Yeah, and it was the coldest day. It wasn't the coldest day in New York, but like the coldest it was the day. the first cold day. First cold day of the year, and we were not dressed right. Yeah, I can't say that I have 
stood in line for something that wasn't a ride for very long. I don't, I can't think of anything right now. Oh, actually, okay, yes. So the first one that's a ride, I stood three and a half hours waiting for the Tower of Terror at Tokyo Sea. Oh. Because it, it was the only ride that I could get on that day. Um, given the ride times. And so I chose that one. And then the longest line that I've waited in, that's not an attraction. And I tweeted about this, uh, I think two days ago or yesterday was, uh, pirates of the Caribbean four on stranger tides. I wait. I was one, I was one of those people that bought a ticket and then like stood outside the theater and waited until the movie or whatever. So you could get a seat. I probably stood out there for four hours with my friends. We had like a, like a little powwow, little seat seat area. Um, no, it was not good. Oh, no. I mean, it was good at the time. I enjoyed it because my whole tweet was that, whatever ten years ago today, I said that that movie was pretty sweet, and it's not. <laughs> it's not good. I can't wait to talk about pirates on a bracket in the future. But before we get there, we got to talk Broadway. We had 16 songs make it into our best Broadway Disney song bracket. And of course, we had a few that missed the dance as well. Kyle, what are a couple of songs that you think just barely missed the dance here? Yeah. So the first one for me is uh, You'll Be In My Heart, the reprise in Tarzan. So that okay. that soundtrack is one of the better just kind of full soundtracks in animated movies like that you can listen outside of the movie itself you can listen to all it's a phil collins record right it's very pop very yes big time so you can listen to it outside of the context of the movie and then here they do a super good job but like it's it's very, very good, but it's not enough to crack the top 16. And I think that people remember You'll Be In My Heart more so than they do the reprise of it, which is totally fair. Um, but for me personally, I thought this one missed the dance because it was a super solid uh, comeback of that song that you heard at the very beginning. Now, even the song that you hear at the very beginning, uh, You'll Be In My Heart, that one doesn't even quite make the top 16. And I think it's because it doesn't quite live up to what the original was. And it's really hard with all of these songs to not compare them to the original. So uh, it, it it just lacked a little soul. There was a little bit more soul in the reprise. So I, that's why I think it missed the dance here. Um, but yeah, Tarzan has a great soundtrack. And uh, we'll, we'll be talking about them a little bit later. But Chris, what is your first miss the dance? This one was the song that I heard during Frozen where I realized this is different. This is not Frozen come to life. This is a new, different, deeper take on Frozen. And that song is What Do You Know About Love, which is a duet between Kristoff and Anna. It's a super, super fun song, super catchy, great action accompanying the song i definitely recommend y'all check it out but not a whole lot in the way of like important substance but it does do a really good job like developing on and Kristoff's relationship a little bit more than they do in the movie early on 
What's another one you got? Last one for me is the morning report from the Lion King Broadway show. Now, this is a song that was written and ready for the animated movie. But it there was just so much going on in that movie and happening that they didn't do it. So in the animated movie, Mufasa takes Simba out to go see what land is his. All, everything the light touches is yours, whatever, right? And Zazu shows up and Mufasa says something like, uh, Zazu, what's the morning report? And then in the background, Zazu's naming off the morning report, which is just a series of puns and and funny jokes but you hear it in the very background because what's in the foreground is Simba like quote unquote learning to hunt and he attacks Zazu well in the show and what was originally supposed to be in the movie was Zazu was going to put on this entire like musical performance and that's what you see in the show and it's so great it's like it talks about elephants not uh not forgetting and it talks it's just it's just a song of puns it's so yeah good. it's very much like a, a wordplay song it's yeah. like very quick yeah. it's a lot like um from pirates of penzance i am a very model of a modern major general like it's just yes. very very like proud of you for funny. knowing that wow <laughs> so proud of you it's and it's, it, it makes the zazu character like more likable and interesting too right and especially because the Zazu character, both in the movie and in the show, only has the first like quarter of the movie, and then he's gone, and then you see him again a little bit later. Um, so this really develops that character, and we see that a lot with all the songs in this bracket, how it kind of helps develop the character even further. But that's a, a miss the dance for me. So what's your what's your final one? So the other one for me that just missed the dance, and I think easily could have made it in is the finale song from the Mary Poppins musical, and that's Anything Can Happen. Mm -hmm. So good. A problem I had with Mary Poppins Returns is that I felt a lot of the songs were kind of... I don't want to say forced. Can you imagine that is that song? Can you imagine that? (laughs) It felt like a fan of Mary Poppins wrote the songs. But they didn't feel like Sherman songs. Mary Poppins Returns. Right. The movie. Yeah. The new movie. Anything Can Happen is one of those songs that feels so authentically Mary Poppins. Like it could easily have been written with the original movie. It it, it could have been in there easily. Yeah. Um, on top of the fact that it's like the finale sequence and it has Mary Poppins kind of like floating away and it's kind of like the note that the audience leaves on. Right. She doesn't just float away. She floats into the audience. She, yeah, she floats into she floats the audience. into up, up, the audience. And, you know, it's one of those little Mary Poppins one-liners, you know, anything can happen if you let it. There's a lot with Mary Poppins Returns. There's a lot that happened there. Like a ton. And they it's like... They like none of the songs except for the one I'm about to talk about even sounds like the Sherman brothers because they were only brought in and not and like say, hey, do you think this sounds like Mary Poppins? And they say yes or no. And then like that was the green light. And then they just like did it like uh, there was no other sort of um, advising from the Sherman brothers at that time. And, and uh, Robert was dead at that time. So it was just Richard. Um 
but I still think that like, uh, can you imagine that is very similar to this one? And when we were listening to every Broadway song to prepare for whatever the demo was going to give us, that was like multiple notes in my, in my notes here about anything can happen. It's not so much like it, the sound was the same. It was the, the message was essentially the same. It was like this, this belief in like, if you just believe it can happen, if you uh, dream it, you can do it. Right. You know, it's that dumb phrase. So, but yeah, this, the, anything can happen. uh, Definitely sounds Mary Poppins. And like that, that entire show sounded Mary Poppins. They did such a good job with that. And they have a couple songs on here, Chris, that made the round of 16, which I think it is time to announce. So let's go ahead and let's cue the dramatic music. Ooh, ooh. And here we go. Coming in at the number one seed from The Lion King, Circle of Life. Here at number two from Newsies, it is Seize the Day. At number three from Aladdin, Friend Like Me. Number four from Frozen, Let It Go. Coming in at number five from Beauty and the Beast, Be Our Guest. Coming in at number six from Mary Poppins, It's Step in Time. Coming in at number seven from Mary Poppins, It's Supercalifragilisticexpialidocious. Taking the number eight spot from The Little Mermaid, It is Poor Unfortunate Souls. And at number nine from Aladdin, one jump ahead. Here at number 10 from the Newsies, it's Santa Fe. Slotting in at number 11, He Lives in You, the reprise. In the number 12 spot from Beauty and the Beast, it's Human Again. And at number 13 from Tarzan, Strangers Like Me. Number 14, it's Frozen Again with Monster. In the number 15 spot from Aida, My Strongest Suit. And rounding out our round of 16 from The Little Mermaid, it's If Only, The Quartet. All right, Julia, big Broadway fan. We have our round of 16. What are your initial thoughts here? Um, My initial thoughts are... I kind of wish there would have been more incorporation of songs that are only in the Broadway shows and sure. not on the films. Sure. Um, but with that being said, I completely understand why things like Let It Go, Circle of Life, um, Be Our Guest, stuff like that is on there because on the stage, they're ridiculous ridiculous spectacles like (laughs) insane like blow your mind tears coming out of your eyes yeah just insane um yeah i mean i would say probably most of the people that were targeted in this demographic maybe saw these once they're very much like once in a lifetime type experiences for most people you know it's not like us where we can go multiple times time after time after time after time and we can really isolate those slower moments and appreciate those someone who sees it one time and gets out of the city they might only remember let it friend like me you know yeah 
Exactly. And then also, like, any sort of promo tour that a lot of these shows do, maybe on Good Morning America, yep. um, any sort of ABC primetime stuff, and they show a snippet or they perform live. It's always going to be the big one that people Slaps know. Slaps only, baby. Slaps right. only. Where's Slaps only podcast out here? So it's it makes sense. It totally makes sense. Um, I'm excited, though. I'm excited to dive in because some of these surprised me and some of these uh, were a little underwhelming. So, uh, oh. let, yeah, yeah, that's the hot take from the top. <laughs> that's the hot take from the top. So uh, let's go ahead and dive into it. All right. Well, let's start off with the first matchup. It's the number one seed Circle of Life versus the number 16 seed, if only the quartet oh, from no. The Little Mermaid on Broadway. Oh, oh man. What a I mean, brutal a matchup. Good one to start us off. Seriously. It kind of piggybacks off of the conversation we just kind of started. Um, and it also reveals a lot of the strengths in this medium. So I guess we'll start with Circle of Life. Uh, absolutely spectacular. The thing that is great about seeing these songs performed on the Broadway stage, they truly, literally come to life. Yeah. We loved Circle of Life in our best Disney songs bracket. It was certainly a favorite. And one of the things that we really liked about it was the the mood setting that it does. The great animation sequence accompanied with the song really makes you feel like you're arriving on the plains of Africa. This does that 10 times better. Obviously, yep. like you're inside a theater. The show opens with Rafiki, and we can talk about the Rafiki character later because that's a whole nother thing. But Rafiki's alone on the stage and does the chant. And then there are actors that like come out of the wings and they continue the chant. And then there's animals coming through the aisles. You've got elephants and rhinos and cranes. Uh, as the sun is like rising on stage, it is yeah. like you are in Africa at sunrise. And it's like, you can feel the temperature like rise in the building. It, you know, it's, uh, it's truly impressive. Um, yeah. and it's something that, you know, only Disney can pull off because a lot of these shows that are on Broadway, big budgets, but not Disney budgets. I mean, Disney is willing to go that's true. all the way. Yep. All the way. And they do that with and more. Mm -hmm. So on the other side of the coin, we've got if only if you all were with us very early on in the life of this podcast, you might have heard us talk about the Little Mermaid live on TV which was oh. an absolute train wreck of a production. But they performed If Only, which was like one of the very, 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 very few standout moments from that whole fiasco. Yeah. It's a quartet between Prince Eric and Triton and Sebastian and Ariel. And this is kind of the other advantage to Broadway is the runtime is much longer than a animated movie so you have the time to slow down and learn a little bit more about these characters and what they're after and what their goals are and that kind of stuff and you know you don't have to worry about like oh a uh, little kid's gonna watch this on vhs and he's gonna lose interest and you know uh people who go to broadway are like very focused on seeing the show so like they're gonna pay attention to a song like this right uh, I love that Prince Eric in this song is fleshed out a lot more. He's definitely like one of those princes that is weak 
on the weaker side. And, and here we definitely get a, a stronger sense of his struggle where he's like uh, being forced to marry, but he wants to marry for love. He heard this beautiful voice and he's got this girl that he likes, but he knows it's not the woman she wa- he wants because she doesn't have the voice, blah, 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 blah. So it makes you slightly feel slightly more sympathetic towards Eric. Also, King Triton is like the worst in the animated movie. Absolutely terrible. And in this quartet, he has the opportunity to like express some remorse and right. be like, okay, I was a little bit too firm with Ariel. I'm sorry that I torched her like trinket collection, whatever. Um, so I really, really like that about this song. On top of the fact that it's just like a beautiful piece. It's an Alan Menken. It's awesome. At the end of the day, though, Circle of Life is just like a religious experience in a lot of ways. And so uh, hat tip to If Only for being really good, but Circle of Life, that's a good one. I'm going to start this off by dropping a little knowledge on everybody. I I tried to do a little bit uh, of background research on everything uh, for these shows. Uh, I think people might appreciate a little bit of uh, some knowledge on this. So... Uh, Lion King, it premiered in 1997 in Minneapolis, Minnesota and premiered on Broadway just literally a few months later. They like saw it there at its tryouts and was like, why are you here right now? Like get get over to New York, like ship it. Who cares? Um, Here's some fun facts, Chris, because I know we all love fun facts out here. The original... Simba voice of uh, like grown Simba. It's the same dude who voiced the middle brother and brother bear, the one that didn't get turned into a bear. Oh wow! He's it's the same same voice. So the actor is the voice of that. Um, the original voice of Timon in the Broadway version was is the voice of Tom Morrow two in Innoventions and Epcot. No way. Yep. <laughs> and here we go. Here's the tie to this matchup. The original Mufasa was performed by Samuel Wright, who was the original voice of the animated Sebastian in The Little Mermaid. There it is. Very How interesting. Crazy, right? So it's, uh, it's, I love that they did this, and it comes up in a little bit. Uh, in some other shows where either some Disney ties are performing as other Disney characters, or in some cases the actual voice is performing as the actual character. So it's interesting Um, here, Chris, I I don't have any argument against, or I mean, or for, if only I love, it's a beautiful song, but unfortunately it's matched up against circle of life, which is like, the it's it's the openers of all openers it's hype man it, it's hype if you, if you had to like say here just sit here for five minutes like and if you don't like the show after the first five minutes like you can walk out of the theater you bring them to lion king they're gonna <laughs> yeah. they're gonna stay all the butts are in the seats in the seats and silent because there's a giraffe walking next to you somehow and you don't understand how that puppet works it's amazing. So Circle of Life is moving on here. Julia, I, it sounded like you had a, a love for for If Only from Little Mermaid. Um, It's not. Okay, here's the thing. Just a little bit of background knowledge on Disney productions and like how they go to Broadway. Um, I love it. 
There are certain productions that are workshopped and workshopped and workshopped out of town. Basically, they work out all the kinks. And um, unfortunately, Little Mermaid is one of those shows, like Frozen, where um, instead of really working out all those kinks and really um, fine-tuning everything, um, they just put it up there kind of as fast as they could. Not that that's any doesn't make the song if only any lesser than it should be but I think that musical could have been workshopped a little bit more um anyway I have a soft spot in my heart for that song because Sierra Bogus, the singer of the voice of Ariel in the Broadway production is one of my like icons she lives in this neighborhood i occasionally see her like crossing the street yeah she was christine on broadway and phantom um gorgeous 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 voice so i just wanted to give her a shout out because i think she's the only this is the only time she's mentioned in this in this whole bracket yeah probably Anyway, I love Sierra Bogus. Also, another fun fact, um, if any of you listeners are fans of the Unbreakable Kim- Kimmy Schmidt, the voice of Sebastian is Titus. Is the name's Titus character? That's yeah. His, that's the and, his actual, and his actual name is Titus. Yeah, exactly. On the Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt. So, yeah. Love the Little Mermaid. Love the story. I just wish um, Disney would have fine-tuned it a little bit more. So, unfortunately, I'm going to have to ship Circle of Life. That's all right. Uh, speaking of unfortunately, we have the next matchup. It is Poor Unfortunate Souls versus One Jump Ahead. So uh, diving back into a little background here, Little Mermaid began in Denver, Colorado in 2007 and then jumped to Broadway the same year. So this is another like situation. Yeah, in Denver. Yeah, 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 exactly. It's a, it's a similar situation to Frozen, not only in the city, but also to many of these Disney shows, which only spend a couple months in their uh, tryout cities and then just jump straight to Broadway. Um, One Jump Ahead, that's Aladdin. Obviously, it uh, debuted in Seattle in 2011 and then took three years to get to Broadway in 2014. So this was one that they had to work out a few kinks for and they they eventually (laughs) got over there. Um, and it must have worked because it's run for a really long time. It, yeah, they figured it out, and it definitely worked. Uh, the Some fun facts for everybody once again. The original genie, who was on the Disney sing-along part two recently, he is going to be the... He's going to portray Phil from Hercules in the upcoming Hercules Broadway show. Nice. And then Jafar in the Broadway show, OG cast, is Jafar's animated voice in the actual movie. So he just hopped over and did Broadway. Mm -hmm. So a couple of little fun tidbits for you. We'll start with the number eight, Poor Unfortunate Souls. This song made me so sad. This version of the song, guys. It just felt so empty and i get that you can't perform it exactly like the original version and whatever but there just felt like there was ursula such like a conniving villain who like has something up her sleeve and is trying to be distracting and like you're doing one thing but actually what's happening is another so like she knows that if ariel signs this fine print 
like it, the book's done, right? And she's just trying to get her to sign this fine print without telling her the actual terms and conditions. There's a part in the song where she's like, and there's some small print and here's the fine print or whatever. And we skip over it. She's conniving. The, the actress who portrays Ursula in this specific version that we listen to doesn't quite give off that conniving evil sea witch her it's everything about it it just feels hollow for whatever reason um yeah so this the whole song and the the performance feels empty to me uh the final note right before she starts doing the spell is super impressive she obviously is a talented actress and singer the song just wasn't it. One jump ahead, also not super impressive. It's it feel felt like a very like clone of what the movie did, the animated one. And I even I think I would rank the live action version of the song above this one. <gasps> I was just thinking of that. <laughs> right. I mean, like this one, it, it just felt like a carbon copy. And what I really like about some of these Broadway songs and Broadway in general is when they take a material and then also make it their own or at least have some variation or a little bit of something, um, whether it's added verses, added lyrics, different notes for different parts of the song, like any of it. That I really enjoy that, and it just doesn't happen here. Um, so this is a, a huge toss-up for me because it, it's just not a whole lot. I think what happens here is that I'm going to go with one jump ahead only because it fulfills the need that I, I had for that song while Poor Unfortunate Souls kind of really uh, didn't meet expectations. So I'm going with one jump ahead. I acknowledge your feelings about Poor Unfortunate Soul and I understand that feeling that like the performer might have like taken a different approach to the character. I liked it a lot. I was getting major mother Gothel vibes from yeah. Sherry, Sherry Renee Scott's version of Ursula in the animated movie. Ursula is like repulsive. She's like comically evil. Um, and it makes Ariel seem really stupid to me. It's like, Dude, this lady's insane. She is maniacal, diabolical. How can you not tell this? And on stage, like, yes, it's much more toned down, but that makes it seem more human to me. Love is blind. And so, it I don't know. It makes Ursula feel less, like, comic booky and more like... She's just kind of sassy. Like, she's a little fabulous. She's, like, you know, perturbed and bothered and annoyed as opposed to, like, <laughs> like, to the point where you're like, you know what? I can slightly relate to this Ursula. Like, that's kind of that's kind of how I feel sometimes. So, you know, if I wanted to see the original version of Ursula, I would just watch The Little Mermaid. If I wanted to see Kristen Bell's Anna, I would just watch Frozen. Like, I don't come to the theater to see what I've already seen before. So I, I appreciate the different take. One Jump Ahead, uh, a lot like Circle of Life, sets the stage for the show. There's a lot of moving parts to that scene. Um, lots of people walking around and stuff. Very colorful. 
it's pretty fun. I like the cut better. I like the I like the Broadway cut better than the movie cut. Uh, just from like a sonic, from like a musical perspective, uh, I think the one jump ahead hits a little bit harder. But yeah, I like that. I like um, Sherry Renee Scott's performance of Ursula. So I'm going with Poor Unfortunate Souls, which means Julia, you've got the first tiebreaker here. All right. I'm sorry, honey, but I am going to have to agree with Kyle. Um, I really like your argument um, on Sherry Renee Scott's, you know, take of the character. I just think the casting is just so weird. I mean, you see her, we're going to talk about her a little bit later with My Strongest Suit and her portray Amneris, who is like this, like ditzy blonde like right barbie doll of a character and then it's like she the woman like ages a couple years and then all of a sudden she's a sea witch like that's scary <laughs> if you're like a woman in the performing arts <laughs> um but i'm just gonna have to go one jump ahead even though I can't get the movie the live action movie out of my head which <laughs> Okay, well, let's move on to our next matchup. It's the number four seed, Let It Go, versus the number 13 seed, Strangers Like Me, from the Broadway version of Tarzan. Ooh. All right, so let's talk about Tarzan on Broadway, folks. Maybe, Kyle, you can do some more, like, the history lesson stuff about, like, when and how it happened, but I have theories. I have theories on where this came from. This was like mid 2000s when Cirque du Soleil was really popular and the Spider-Man musical was like in production. So people were really into like stunts and swinging from things on stage. Chris, if it tells you anything, all of these other shows had like thousands of performances. Tarzan only had 486. Okay, so let me read some reviews from this production. So excited. Uh, okay, this is on Phil Collins. Because all of this, no. this is all Phil Collins music, stuff from the movie, and new stuff as well. Collins seems to understand that theater lyrics, perhaps even more than pop song lyrics, need to be concise to get dramatic points across quickly and clearly. What he doesn't seem to realize is that doesn't mean they should be little more than a string of platitudes, cliches, and contemporary slang. It's a shame. His words are as bad as his music is good. Oh, no. Another critic called the production insistently kinetic, fidgety, and attention deficit. Carrie Langle of The Republic said, The heart of Tarzan's darkness is Phil Collins' bland melodies and generic lyrics, which offer such insights as, My heart is beating faster. I must know more about her. She makes me feel so alive. Even for a kiddie musical, that's a pretty weak effort. Absolutely savage. Okay, well, I need all these reviewers to absolutely relax because the movie soundtrack bangs and i understand how they feel about the transfer to broadway because there was little to no difference in the way they performed these songs but go ahead chris continue so like i said i think this was kind of built from a 
fad. Like they led with the vine swinging. Like they're like, okay, we got some technology to do this. Let's make people swing from ropes on stage above the audience. It's going to be dope. And then they just kind of wrote the show after they thought of that. Well, and here's also what happened is that they saw success from animated adaptations of, or sorry, Broadway adaptations of their animated classics from the Renaissance period. Right. And then they waited a decade and a half to do Tarzan and no one wanted it because Tarzan wasn't considered and isn't considered part of that Renaissance period. It would be like if they suddenly did a Treasure Planet musical. (laughs) Wait, now we moved on. Yeah. Um, Matthew Morrison was the Tarzan in the workshopped versions of like the original incarnation of this musical. Super cool. Who, if you don't know Matthew Morrison, Glee and pretty much every Disney holiday special you've ever seen before. He also has a Di- a Disney uh, song cover album that is oh yeah very good. Right. It's very good. I like high. I don't like a lot of the Disney cover albums, but this is one that's like worthy of of listening to. So Matthew Morrison didn't make it to the Broadway stage. Some guy from American Idol did. Uh, he wasn't bad. He wasn't as ripped as Tarzan is in the animated <laughs> movie. No offense to the guy, but like you can't unsee that. Obviously, like I don't want to spend this whole time talking about the Tarzan musical because it's a whole saga. We can do a whole deep dive episode on it. If you all want to learn more, watch the preview, the Tarzan preview from the Disney on Broadway YouTube channel. It reveals a lot about what happened and what went wrong. There's a moment where Kala takes baby Tarzan out of like a treasure chest and it's like the scariest looking doll puppet, like baby that I've ever seen before. Its head is like five times the size a baby's head mm-hmm. supposed to be. It looks like a Neanderthal. As far as like this version of the song, really not bad. No. Something I didn't really love about Tarzan, Tarzan's not really my favorite movie. I don't think it's terrible, but doesn't resonate with me like it does a lot of people i agree the soundtrack's great um i do find it a little bit awkward though that like phil collins sings the music over scenes that are happening in the movie and and it's like these emotional moments and like the lyrics go with the moment but like there's a disconnect where like you don't really connect the lyrics to the character and so this musical makes it so like you do make that connection maybe that's why it didn't work I don't know, but um, I really, really like these versions of these songs. Um, but I just love Let It Go. <laughs> oh, yeah. Man, more than anything, maybe ever. <laughs> um, it's incredible. Kyle, do I have to go to bat for Let It Go yet? No, I'm okay. moving Let It Go on. The strangers like me is a good song i don't think it's even the best song in tarzan cross the board um but it's a it's a super good song it's a great rendition of it in this broadway show as you brought up it's a duet which is great 
Mm-hmm. And it and it also like gives Jane a little bit more depth in this one because she gets a verse, and it's not a verse that's in the actual version. So yeah. you see what's what she's thinking as well instead of just Phil talking about what Tarzan's thinking. So I appreciated that, and I appreciate that about a lot of these songs giving a little bit more depth to some of the characters that are singing them. Um, but it's just, it's not Let It Go level. So Let It Go is moving on. <laughs> I did not like that. I did not like Let It Go, the song. I thought it was very cliche and very wicked, defying gravity-esque when I heard it in the film. And then when I saw yeah. it on stage, I was just like, this is amazing. Casey Levy is, oh God. Stage performance is super impressive, but we'll, we'll, dive all the way into that into the next round so let it all the way in let it go is moving on so we have number five be our guest first number 12 human again we got beauty and the beast matched up against each other right here it really is a shame it is really a shame because you know why this version of be our guest is just so annoying to me (laughs) oh shoot i didn't like it so like (laughs) So for everyone listening, the process that we went through is uh, Chris is our media master and he put together a playlist of the Broadway songs, then put together a sheet of where we can also watch the performances of these songs. And then I went back and re-listened to the song. So I did three versions, listened, watched, listened again. And uh, the Be Our Guest one was so bizarre to me and specifically... It started really slow and the slow start specifically in like the performance atmosphere felt super seductive and it was really bizarre to me. And I was just like, what is happening? Uh, And then uh, sexy. It's a sexy furniture. It's, it's not supposed, (laughs) it shouldn't be, it shouldn't be. And and so just uh, saying, later on during the performance they bring in on the stage stage show the life-size cutlery i didn't like them it <laughs> felt really aggressive spoons, man uh, it was more no i haven't seen the producers it's very producers okay it was uh the sharp sharp edges of the knives and forks were not super friendly um I did like the instrumental part of the song and in the performance, it's the part where Lumiere and Belle dance together. Um, But then there was a part in the performance that I got really confused by actually two of them, to be honest. One of them was, uh, did Belle and Lumiere like kiss at one point? What happened there? And number two, the like cha-cha breakdown that happens in this is like the same kind of like we need something to fill as friend like me and we're going to talk about that later but like that same like oh we need something to like fill in so that we can get the illusion set and we can get everybody there put in the cha-cha with Babette and Lumiere is that what yeah. you're talking about? <laughs> yeah I <laughs> mean just... this is an example of like when the medium's working against it like yeah. the animation sequence is so intricate and complex and a lot's happening and you just can't recreate that. Right. And it's even besides recreating it, everything was just weird. And also like the animation part 
that performance is like a Broadway performance in itself. Like Lumiere's putting on the show for yes. Belle. So that is like a reference to the Ziegfeld Follies, which okay. is a Americanized version of Folie Bougier, which is, um, yeah, it's like a musical review with lots of dancing people and women in big feather outfits and walking down platforms. And that's a French tradition. And Beauty and the Beast takes place in France. So that aspect kind of makes sense to me. Okay. Uh, we have a comment from Julie. Go ahead. I just wanted to interject just because, just to be annoying for like two seconds, maybe more than two. But um, the Ziegfeld Follies were actually before any Broadway shows. So that whole like showgirl thing that the that you see in many Broadway shows today and in the golden ages was because of the Ziegfeld Follies. Okay. That's all. So it's an homage, <laughs> Kyle. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That, that doesn't which... take away from the fact that it's kind of weird. Yeah. But it's like all they got. And while we're still, I mean, we're going to be here the entire time for Beating the Beast, but this show premiered in Houston and, and L.A., in 1993 and then moved over to broadway in 1994 fun facts everybody you ready the og voice of bell was is also the voice of meg in hercules the animated show susan egan yep and then the og mrs potts was apparently in orange is the new black and i don't know that show so the character name went over my head and it didn't matter to me but go ahead and research it look it up uh, Mrs. Potts from the original cast is in Orange and the New Black. So we move over to Human Again, which this feels like, Chris, another one of those like Renaissance movie songs that should have made it to the animated movie. Maybe it was supposed to be. I didn't find that or I didn't look for it. So if you have any insight. Yeah. Um, this was, according to Paige O'Hara herself, Howard Ashman's favorite song. Okay. And it did not make the cut into the original version of the animated View and the Beast just for time purposes. It was like a seven-minute song or something, and they're just like, we can't do this. So they replaced it with something there, which I yep. love that song. But, uh, yeah, I think there are versions of the VHS where it's added back in or something. I swear this song is on some, like, music loops in the parks or something because I heard it and I'm like, I know this song. Huh. Well, I heard it and I said, I know this song because it reminds me a lot of Randy Newman's When We're Human from Princess and the Frog. Oh. It's almost like it's obviously the same message because it's the same scenario where these group of characters are attempting to become literally human again. Um, but that just was a connection that I, I uh, found there. This song for me got a little boring in the middle, and I think it's because I was so used to all of these Broadway shows changing not only tempo, but also either key changes or some sort of dialogue or some sort of dance break in the middle. Um, that changed the makeup of the song and it didn't happen here. It was just very consistent and I, I got bored in the middle, unfortunately. Um, the actress who plays Belle here in the, in the recording sounds a lot like the animated Belle, which was interesting 
to to pull something but like it's another one of those biases for me here chris like be our guest was just so much of me saying like what what is this it felt like they lost like the purpose of the scene which was like showing bell how great this place is and then human again is where they like convince bell why bell needs to fall in love with the beast which also isn't great but like it it feels like the achievement was found in human again literally because in the song you hear bell like tell the beast that she wants to have dinner with him and then be our guest which is just this like now like extra song um so for me i'm going with the upset i'm going with human again over be our guest because be our guest was just meh to me yeah like you said these are kind of similar songs to me where it's their furniture songs be our guest is kind of like hooking bell and human again is like them digging their claws into her um i like that with human again you kind of get a sense of like um these characters not just as like comic relief but as like actual supporting characters that have goals of their own and it makes you kind of like root for bell and the beast because there's a little more at stake it's not just like this jerk beast guy that you don't really care about it's like all of these people that had lives they're relying on this thing happening too so i really like that about human again i think it's kind of a shame it got cut from the animated version so i'm also advancing human again with the upset it will face let it go in the next round oh my god no good luck okay so let's move on to the other side of the bracket we've got the number two seed seize the day from newsies versus the number 15 seed my strongest suit from aida so maybe not everyone knows aida aida was a disney theatrics production it's based on an opera called aida it's got music by Elton John, lyrics by Tim Rice, same duo as The Lion King. Not to do a whole entire plot synopsis, but just like a very basic uh, breakdown of the musical story about a secret Nubian princess named Aida who's captured by the Egyptians. The captain of the Egyptian army is Rodimus, who falls in love with Aida. Rodimus is pledged to be married to the pharaoh's daughter, Amneris. So there's a little bit of a love triangle, a little forbidden romance, a little political drama. That's basically the show. Elton John wanted this guess to be happens. Elton John wanted this to be a animated film. And yes. Disney was like, really? no. Mm-hmm. And Disney was like, no. We don't want it, this to be one. But Aida we are very much been a Disney princess. Well, there are oh, a yeah. lot of adult themes in it, I feel like. Way yeah. too many adult themes to be like a Disney movie. That could have been part of the reasoning. Yeah. So, my strongest suit is a song that's sung by Amneris, who's played by Sherry Renee Scott, who we talked about earlier in this bracket as Ursula. That same character was eventually played by Adina Menzel. Adele It's basically like the Amneris character's thesis statement. Like it's establishing her as a character. It's a very fun song. It's very a beat does a good job of establishing that character she's a woman who loves fashion she has a successive lifestyle she's the pharaoh's daughter so she's like very extra um when viewing this song through the eyes of aida we see it as kind of like a mask for um insecurities and that kind of stuff yeah um 
it's a good song, uh, but it's going up against Seize the Day, which, like, I mean, everyone knows Seize the Day. Um, it's one of those few songs that, like, was never in a Disney animated movie, but everyone knows it. I didn't before this. Really? Oh, my God. Kyle. Yeah. And then I heard it, and I was like, where have I been? <laughs> I love that. So, so... There's a lot going on in Newsies, um, but uh, Seize the Day is like the big moment where the Newsies decide they're going to go on strike. Um, it's great to see like that moment happen in song. Um, it's I would definitely say it's the most important number of the show, just from like a plot perspective, uh, yeah. but I feel like Seize the Day is really the heart of Newsies because it's a massive ensemble number. Um, there's lots of dancing. Jack Kelly, who's the male lead, is not really in it. Um, if y'all want to feel bad about your bodies and what you can do physically, oh, watch Seize the Day <laughs> on the Disney Plus Newsies Broadway version. It's like 20 ripped dudes doing stunts advanced ballet and singing like angels and tap dancing and it's like these are superhumans like yeah. this is insane heroes yeah it is insane Such um, a good song. oh it's so good it's, it's so awesome good. um so i think good. newsies is about the newsies uh we can talk about jack kelly in the next matchup when we talk about santa fe but uh, my strongest suit not as meaningful so i'm going with seize the day yeah, Seize the Day is moving on for me as well. I haven't been able to get out of my head. So it's, oh, I'm I, so it, glad for you. Strike! It's, strike! It's, strike! Yeah. Strike! Strike! It, Y'all want to buy some papes? Yeah, oh my <laughs> God. It's also just like... I, Broadway does a good job of like not including songs that don't necessarily move the plot along. And so me being me saw the... The, uh, theatrical version first before the stage version so that whole movie was just like oh let's let's move on let's keep going it was just such a slow movie and then seeing theatrical version and how they incorporated the songs it just made so much more sense and also this is like the pivotal part of the movie this is the thesis statement of the yeah. newsies I so wish like his sorry go ahead no go ahead I just love Jack Kelly's monologue in the middle of it yeah. where, um, I don't know, there are two or three newsies that are hesitant to join the pack, and he's like, this is for all those kids working in sweatshops and all that stuff, and it just like brings a tear to your eye. It's so good. Yeah, and in the movie, they don't do that. In the movie, it's like they kick their ass and they... You know, it's too aggressive because it's Christian Bale. But in this one, like, yeah, you're right. It's super inspiring. And it's one of those songs that is just like the big come together song. Let's fight towards a common goal. I really enjoy the, the songs that are you can pull a little bit of inspiration from, even if like in Broadway and the songs in these Disney ones that we're talking about are pure entertainment songs and they're great songs but if i can pull something that's like inspiring from like seize the day like come together and bring down this kind of evil force or this overarching force especially in like 
today's society specifically for me like this is such a powerful song so it connect it slapped me across the face and i was like this is, this is an amazing song i love this song so seize the day for sure is moving on i don't even want to talk about the other uh, crutchy man doing a little stunt at the end too yo i mean jumped over man, his own leg he i mean we crutch crutch got to figure out which leg is his good leg <laughs> I love Crutchy. He's so cute. He's got to figure that one out. Also, like the, uh, I'll dive into it next time. But the newspaper, a little bit where they're dancing on them, it's great. I love that. Uh, shit. Okay, well, we'll talk about it next time. <laughs> Shut it. We'll talk about it next time. Okay, let's move down to number seven: Super Califragilistic Expialidocious versus number ten: Santa Fe. Super is number seven, and it deserves to be so. This is like, this is what I love about this specific bracket because some of the songs are taken out of the context that we expect them to be in. And you're just like, what? You're not at a racetrack? Yeah, happening at a different point in the A different story. point within a different, different like, mindset. It's the same with Feed the Birds. Like, everything is slightly different in this Mary Poppins production. Oh, let's and go fly a kite? Do you want to know why? Yes. When the producers and uh, directors originally pitched this to P.L. Travers, she was like, okay, I'll give you the rights, but on two conditions. This is my favorite part of this entire bracket. Two conditions. Number one, everyone in the show needs to be British because Dick Van Dyke messed up that entire movie by, with his awful accent. And she, ha- she hated Mary Poppins. People can watch Saving Mr. Banks and be like, she cried because she loved it. She cried because she hated it. She did not like it. Number two, and this is why she didn't. I know she didn't like it, was because she said no one that worked on the original Mary Poppins can be involved in this show. Oh, shoot. She's still alive yeah. when it came out? A year later, she died. Oh, shoot. And a year later, they said, bring in Disney. And they brought in all of the Disney songs. Wow. It's crazy. So they used Disney songs, which means that they brought back in the Sherman Brothers, who actually were involved in this production, um, as opposed to the sequel movie. And if you watch The Boys, which is a documentary on the Sherman Brothers on Disney+, Plus. The, the entire premise is that the sons of the of uh, Bob and Richard came together and made this documentary on them because the show was coming out and and it's this whole thing. But this is why uh, part of the reason why that documentary exists is because it was supposed to be like precursor to the Broadway show, whatever. So watch the documentary it's great they helped with this and they helped with some of the more original songs but they specifically helped with a lot of the original uh verses that got added into their uh theatrical songs and that happens here in supercalifragilistic yeah interesting so they helped write the part that um mary randomly brings up and uh Bert randomly brings up where they're talking about other uses for supercalifragilistic. Yeah, and, like the refrains. Yes, the refrains. And so, like, Bert at one point says, um, check your breath before you speak in case it's halitosis. 
right? Like that's a Sherman Brothers line. Like, don't have bad breath. It's such a it's a such a play on Oceus in a word that doesn't have it. So like that entire little portion of the of the song is, is Sherman Brothers touched completely. I loved this. I mean, I'm a huge Mary Poppins fan, so of course I'm going to be skewed towards loving this song. But like this version of it that takes place in this like word shop where like everyone's trying to come up with the biggest word that makes sense. And then Mary shows up. It's also interesting that Mary says the word backwards different than Julie Andrews, Mary. Yep. And it makes more sense in the Broadway show. Yeah, she says, like, rupus or something. Because if you, like, read it and break it up, how she says it makes way more sense than what, like, Julie said. But, like, in the middle of that song was complete chaos anyway. So everybody's like, yeah, oh, who cares? Yeah, let's do it. The song also ends with this, like, breakdown of the spelling of the word. Insane. Insane. Which makes sense to, like, where they are. It wouldn't make sense in the movie necessarily, but it makes complete sense here in this scene because they're in like a word factory. Yeah. So of course they're going to spell it out and dance it out. I also put in my notes that Disney loves a good Jamaican character or like Caribbean character. True. True. They just love the side character that's of Caribbean descent and throw them in there. It's up against Santa Fe, which is from the Newsies, and it's a very, like, heart-wrenching, like, uh, this is where you find where Jack is super vulnerable and, like, why he is the way he is and and kind of what he's shooting for, which I absolutely love and appreciate from that. But it's it, it feels like the song's a little bit all over the place in this performance. The end note is very impressive to me. Ooh, he hits that. He hits he that. He sure does. Um, but the Kyle bias is going to go Mary Poppins. I'm going super califragilistic. That's interesting what you're saying about the Sherman brothers. Because I have that written down that like the verses aren't as good. Hmm. Um, well, I didn't say they were top tier i just said that they were influenced yeah so and i enjoyed the halitosis joke <laughs> halitosis is good i'll tell you what's not good oh, oh. No. <laughs> this song has stripped away all of the imagery that's associated with the original because I, I was afraid to speak when I was just a lad. Me father yeah. gave me nose a tweak and told me I was bad. And then but one I day I learned a word okay. to say me aching nose. The biggest word you ever heard. And this is how it goes. Yeah. I think Like you picture it, a little kid getting his nose tweaked. Right. But in the context the of like where they are in the show. I understand. I understand that argument. I'm just pointing that out. Yeah. Um, love the spelling. Love the little choreography they do along with it. How long do you have to practice in a mirror to nail that eight times a week? Unreal. A thousand times. Um, so cool. If you don't know what we're talking about, watch it on YouTube. 
they like spell out the word with their arms and hands and it's like the entire company doing it perfectly uh santa fe i like santa fe Jack Kelly, me boy. So Newsies, like I said in the last matchup, I think is about the Newsies, but this is kind of like the other side of the coin in the Newsies story. Uh, They have to kind of have like a human element to it to give it a kind of a different set of stakes, right? Like a a very personal set of stakes. Um, Jack Kelly, it me. (laughs) It me. Uh, he's got a dream to go into Santa Fe, escape the city, which, you know, as a New Yorker, that's a very real feeling. And yeah. for those of you that live in other cities and you feel that like sense of wanting to escape, imagine that being multiplied 10 times over. That's how it feels in New York. Um, it's it's a struggle <laughs> because it's a city where there are so many opportunities and it feels like you have to choose like do I follow my destiny and find out what the city has in store for me or do I run away to a life of comfort where I can just sit in a rocking chair beneath a blue sky and fresh air I don't have to worry you're broke and happy instead of broke and suffocating um, or making a crap ton of money and suffocating. Right, right. Yeah. So another interesting thing we learn about Jack Kelly with this song is that he has issues accepting his destiny. He wants to be the leader of the Newsies, but now that he like is, he doesn't necessarily want the responsibilities. He says that. He's like, Captain Jack just wants to close his eyes and go. <clears throat> That's interesting. Now, spoiler for Newsies, Jack doesn't go to Santa Fe. He is able to find a happy medium where he's still in the city, but he's doing what he loves. Um, So he finds a way to kind of like be at peace in a place that wasn't bringing him peace before. It's an interesting commentary about life and making plans and walking the path in front of you. So I really, 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 really relate to this character. Um, The song itself, I think, is great. I love the bridge. Where does it say you gotta live and die here? Yeah, seriously. So why so should true. you only take what you're given? Why should you spend your whole life living? Oh man, it's just really, really good. Um, it takes us into intermission. I love those like numbers that just Act you hit that finale. final note. Yeah, you hit that final yeah. note and the curtains go down. Yeah, and like there's just like a chill in the air. Love that about Santa Fe. I I do like everything that you said about Supercalifragilistic, but um, going with Jack, going with Captain Jack and the papes, going with Santa (laughs) Fe. So Julia is tie-breaking this one. Um, I just want to preface this by saying, Kyle, I love the research so much. Thanks. (laughs) It's so great. Um, However... I am going, I can't believe I'm saying this. I, at the beginning of this conversation, I totally thought I was going to go with Supercalifragilis. And then I just, being a New Yorker and like listening to that song is just so, I'm, but we're biased. New York bias. It's here. We're biased a little bit because like, it's just so resonant. Um, I'm trying to pull up the lyrics, but there's a lyric in that, in the reprise that really strikes me. Um, something about, sorry, uh, 
please make it real, not some dream in my head or something. Anyway, it's just, yeah, I'm going with Santa Fe. Sorry. Christian Bale kills it. No, also. he is not. It's so also because Jack Kelly reminds me of my boyfriend. I also think they are the same person, and I also relate with Catherine in Newsies Broadway <laughs> show. Oh, by the way, uh, Catherine Plummer has the best lyric of all time. It goes something like this: "I have no clue what I'm doing." No, I have no clue what I'm doing. <laughs> there it is, folks. It's there. I feel it. Yeah, I feel yeah. It. She's a good song, too. Not quite good enough to make this bracket, but very good song. Very train of, train of consciousness. All right. Well, let's go ahead and move on to the next matchup. It's the number three seed, Friend Like Me, versus the number 14 seed, Monster from Frozen. I'm not going to spend a whole lot of time on this one. For me, it's real easy monster. Friend Like Me does one thing that I really, really hate, and that's when he starts singing the other Disney songs. Yep, yep, yep. So whack. Cancel it. It's like, over. The thing is, they're all Mencken songs. It, yeah. Who? Mm, it, it's mm. like a Mencken flex. Here's the thing is that this is a trademark of the Broadway genre. Like, all Broadway shows break the fourth wall. They all make jokes about... Yes, yes. Like, in Love is an Open Door, in the Broadway version of Frozen, he says, will you marry me? And she says, yes! Yeah, any Broadway show, they make, like, some sort of uh, contemporary reference. They always do. But this was just... Um, and shut it down. No. I don't it, know what word to use. Egregious? It was... Uh, distasteful? Here, I don't know. It. I don't know if it... Uh, the, mm, it wasn't... Here's how I justified it in my mind. Was that the, the genie is extra. And yeah. he needs to put on this extra show and... I mean, the point in the show that he does this, they're trying to set up the illusion that Aladdin disappears, right? So, like, they're buying a ton of time. And so they do it by, like, crowd-pleasing, which if you're trying to distract the crowd, you're going to do something that is memorable and something that they can interact with or at least, like, engage with. So what they do is sing these Disney songs and they're like, I know these songs and maybe they're singing along. Maybe they're just very engaged in this rendition so that off to the side where Aladdin's sitting under his uh, like uh, tarp or whatever they put over him and then they pull it off and he's not there. They can uh, like make that illusion happen. So I get why I don't like it at all. It's cheap. It feels cheap is what it is. Yeah. Um, so Monster is not in the movie. Wish it was. This is Elsa's real anthem. Let It Go is about, you know, Elsa suppressing her responsibilities, kind of running away from her problems. And Monster is Elsa having to fight those. Uh, you see the emotional battle happening inside her. She has to A, 
tune out the voices of the citizens of Arendelle. They're in the background of the song. And this winter bring back summer. She says, um, a monster where they write has the dark in me finally come to light. At one point, she's like legitimately suicidal. She's talking to her parents and she's like, if I die, will this all be over? And then she has the moment of realization. And this is the pivotal point for Elsa's character in this whole thing. And it's my favorite line in the musical. No, I have to stay alive to fix what I've done, save the world for myself, and bring back the sun. Oh, my God. I die. I just think this song really um, gives a level of humanity and tenderness i think tenderness is a key word here for elsa because in the movie she doesn't come off as selfish but there's definitely a very self-motivated she, her character is very self-motivated and in this and in the broadway show this song um shows the audience that elsa truly cares about what's going on around her and cares about her people and you know, cares more about them than she does being free and letting it go. So she's really, you see her, she like prays to her parents, which I love. I think that's like as vulnerable as you can get. Like she falls to her knees and is like praying to her parents. Um, so yeah, I love that. And it made me love Elsa even more. Yes, definitely rounds out that character. So I'm going monster. Sorry, Jeannie. He busts his butt in this song. Great performer, but not loving the rendition. Yeah, I don't like a friend like me as much um, as I thought I was going to. And I don't know that I necessarily agree with everything about Monster as much as you guys have, have spoken to it. But it's definitely the better song here. I, uh, the friend like me is a mess. I don't like it. So we are moving Monster on definitely to the next round. So that means right, we're on our last, our last round here. Step in time, our number six from Mary Poppins. Verse number 11, he lives in you, the reprise from Lion King. Let's start with step in time. Let's start there. Huge Poppins step, fan over here. Step. Step, step, huge Poppins fan. Yes, so so many portions make this song great. Um, in the movie, what made it great for me is that it brought, it continued the chaos and then ended the song within like this stitched up way. So like, step in time was the the top of the chaos ladder everything's happening who knows who these people are bert has his third job of the movie mary knows all of them and controls them they all go down the chimney they're wreaking havoc within the banks home they leave and then bert has that moment with mr banks right so like it's the climax of chaos which in mary poppins was the whole point everything was so structured that the kids were acting out of line Mary showed them what fun and chaos life could be, which is also fun, but without the structure of this loving family or without this kind of need for others, it's life isn't quite as fun. And I feel like the step in time was that top point, which is why I really appreciate that part of the show and that part of the movie. But in the show, 
it didn't i mean the the show is completely different we talked about this earlier but the step in time like i was really like the the movie the movie rendition felt like the broadway rendition and then vice versa where you have these incredible dancers and this like great use of the stage and just all of this stuff is happening and that didn't happen for me in step in time the song begins super slow and steady and i really like that in the broadway version um i was expecting it to like start slow and like mary's controlling everything and like okay bert don't get out of control and then it was just gonna like get out of control and it never did that which i was a little bit disappointed in um but that's also just me trying to have this thing meet expectations once again disney loves a good tap dance and many of these shows, the breakdown is just like tap dancers, which is great and a part of Broadway. But Julie, you look like you want to say something. I do. I'm sorry. No, Finish go for it. Thought. Um, it's so tricky because you saw it on video, right? Yeah. Y- you're you're analyzing it on video. Mm-hmm. I don't think that the video does it as much justice at all. Okay. Because um, when I saw it in the show, and granted, it was a couple of years ago, so they didn't have the technology like they did in Frozen, or right. they didn't have like the insane, insane technology that they do now. But when I saw it with my family, it was like truly mind blowing. I mean, the guy tap dances on the ceiling, yeah, and sings yeah. a high note upside down. So I just. I agree with you. Like, I remember watching it back with Chris just as a little refresher and being like, oh, this isn't as great as I thought. But on stage, I think it reads pretty way, way, way better than. Yeah. And I'm sure I'm I'm pretty positive that it does. I think the point you just brought up at one point, Bert talks about over the rooftop step in time. And he's literally running up the side of the stage and then on the ceiling and he's tap dancing yeah, the to that. Right, right, right. And it's. It's great. That was such a great surprising moment. And I, I say that here. Um, and I thought that was the moment that it was going to get real. And he was going to like land and everyone was just going to be like. Going what insane. I, mm-hmm. And what I missed was like the high stepping and the high knee kicks and like the the energy. Sure. And maybe it's because I, I haven't been able to watch it in succession. So maybe at this point of the show, this is the right moment for this to happen. But it just felt like my knowledge of the sh- of the movie and the story, this was the time to be the most chaotic so that the more subdued portion of the movie, which is the end where the realization happens, is that much more powerful. So it, it didn't quite meet my expectations, uh, but it also like helped to show like who mary is continually because she has another verse in this one and she showed like her portion of like the dance much like in the movie is much more subtle because she's more controlled and she knows what's happening and that's really on display here in this broadway portion as well what about Uh, bert walking on the ceiling I didn't. I thought that was the portion where I was like, it's about to get real. <laughs> like, Bert's going to walk. He's going to walk. And then he's going to drop. And everyone's going to jump and start kicking their knees up. And that's <laughs> the portion where, like, we're all going to just, like, go nuts. And it just didn't happen. However, I did like that because I, I, 
was so underwhelmed by the performance up till then that when he started doing that, I was like, okay, yeah, 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 yeah. It's Mary Poppins. We're doing some weird stuff and, and it's going to happen. So uh, I feel like that could have been, there could have been a really easy fix there. It seems like that whole number takes place on one level. Yeah. Like that's the whole thing. And if they would have added like in Newsies, if you look at the set, there are so many different levels like yeah. so many different scaffoldings and if in Mary Poppins they would have added I guess multiple levels of roof with multiple yeah. people dancing I think the overall experience would have been different I agree and even like I want to say at the Grammys maybe seven or eight years ago they brought back all of the original chimney sweeps and they did the step in time dance within like silhouettes and raised things and I was like this is great and they're all old men and they're like barely kicking up but it just felt more than what happened here then we're gonna move over to number 11 he lives in you the reprise from the lion king chris this is such a good song and it's it's a good song but it's it's super simple it really only repeats a a chorus over and over again there's a verse that happens at the beginning that never shows back up no other verses. They just keep repeating, he lives in you. He lives in me. Like over and over again, which is like, it's fine for the moment because the moment is Simba deciding to go back to the Pride Lands, which is a huge moment in the movie where he sees his reflection, sees his dad in the clouds and boy, you have to do all of this. And then he's like, I know you're right. I have to go do this. Boom. In the movie, split second. He's ready. Mm. Rafiki showed me. Rafiki's like doing the whole like stick above the head, like, yeah, yeah. And Simba's running across the desert or whatever. Who cares, right? In this one, it shows Simba, specifically in the performance, like really internalizing this entire yeah. decision. And like, it's a reprise and it's not the same number as the original song because it's They Live in You. Mufasa's telling Simba that like, see those stars like that's all the kings that came before us and like they are still with us it's a circle of like blah 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 who cares whatever so then when simba realizes that this lesson has come back not only does he have the confidence that his dad instilled in him in that moment in that lesson moment but now he truly believes that his dad's with him and i think that's one of those things that we talked about i think in the other best song is like this idea of the past is never gone it always lives with you uh you always have uh, death is not just the end it yeah we talked on. about that with remember me and coco exactly and this is and that's this part here it's so powerful and it's the turn of the show and that's when it's the oh it's about to get real there's two <laughs> there's two it's about to get real portions in this matchup and the only one that meets the standard is he lives in you. I'm moving he lives in you on here in this matchup. I kind of enjoyed the more down-tempo version of um, Step in Time. Partially because I think they kind of framed the chimney sweep culture a little bit different. On stage, they're like magical creatures. Um, my favorite line in Mary Poppins, the Broadway musical. Just remember when you're low, feeling in the wars. Someone's up your chimney, and it ain't Santa Claus. 
Yeah, I did like that. Someone's up your chimney. So, you know, you can interpret that however you you want. Um, I have a chimney. And it's nice knowing there's a chimney sweep up my chimney. (laughs) Uh, It helps me sleep at night. I have stated many times on this broadcast, The Lion King might be the most overrated Disney movie in existence. Julia's making a surprise face. She's never heard me say that because she doesn't (laughs) listen to the podcast. (laughs) I don't think Lion King's a bad movie. I just think it's overrated. And a lot of people put it as like top two. It's, It's like top 15, but it's not top two. Lion King on Broadway is incredible. It is rated as such. It has been performed on every continent and 100 countries around the world. And it is a spectacle to behold. And we can talk about it in the next episode. But um, one of the things that I love about it is the way that it incorporates a lot of like authentic African instruments yeah. um, and vocalizations. And a lot of those are present in He Lives in You. It just feels like such an organic song, very real, from the heart. Um, it's just cool. It's just a really cool song. I really love it, and I am also advancing it here. There it is. We have our Elite Eight figured out. We have the number one circle of life from The Lion King. It's going to face off against number nine, One Jump Ahead from Aladdin. Down on the other side, we have number four, Let It Go from Frozen, versus number 12, Human Again from Beauty and the Beast. We have number two, Seize the Day, facing off versus number 10, Santa Fe. And then, yeah, we got a Newsies matchup up there. And then down in the bottom right quadrant, we have number 14, Monster from Frozen, versus number 11, He Lives in You, the reprise from Lion King. Julia, you just scream no. There's a lot of issues that we're going to have to have in the next episode, but what are your thoughts about this Elite Eight? Um, I'm actually happy about it. I really agree with all of the choices that were made. I said no because huh. I have a feeling some of my favorites are going to die, but it's okay. I love Disney. I love Broadway. It's all good. Well, just so you know, none of these songs ever die. They live in you. All right, folks. Well, that does it for this episode of Mouse Madness. You know where to reach us. You can tweet us at Mouse Madness Pod. You can send us an email at mousemadnesspodcast at gmail.com. You can join our Facebook group, our Discord server, where we love to chat about all things Disney all the time. Thank you so much, Julia, for joining us. You're welcome. And we will see y'all in the next episode. Oh, 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 oh,